Welcome back to Master the Marketplace with ETLs. Hi, this is Kunal from Master the Marketplace. Welcome to another episode. Today we have a special guest with us, Jed Nelson, the head of compliance and risk at ETLs. And we're going to talk about everything related to marketplace compliance and risk management. Jed, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Kunal. Fantastic. Well, Jed, you know, to get started, maybe tell our listeners a little more about yourself, what you do, your background. I know we've had you on the show before, but we would love to just start there today. Sure. Uh, so I'm Jed Nelson. I've been at eTales for over eight or almost eight years uh, in about a week. And during that time, I started out in customer service. Then I worked uh, with the warehouse and dropship uh, before coming to compliance about four and a half years ago. And in the last four and a half years, uh, I've helped to build our compliance program at eTales. Uh, and we've seen quite a bit of growth and change over that time as, e- as uh, Amazon in particular has morphed in its approach to, uh, to compliance and to safety. Uh, also, uh, I live outside of Spokane. Uh, I have a dog and a family. Uh, live on 12 acres of land, and I'm a captain in the Army National Guard. So that's fantastic. I don't think many people know that about you, that you're a, you're a captain in the in the National Guard. Thank you again for your service. And, you know, you also have a full-time job. You're at E-Tales. It's fantastic to do both. Uh, I enjoy I enjoy the, the difference between the, uh, between the two jobs, and both are challenging and rewarding. That's fantastic, Jed. That's fantastic. Well, great. Well, today we're going to talk about, you know, everything marketplace compliance, everything risk management, you know, in the current situation where there's the whole coronavirus thing going on in the industry. You know, there's a lot of churn going on right now in the marketplace world. So there's a lot to talk about when it comes to how do you keep a very clean product on marketplaces such as Amazon, such as Walmart. And, you know, I know we have a lot of experience doing that at eTales. So, you know, and you're, you've been driving that for us. So this is a great opportunity just to share our knowledge with, with our viewers, with our listeners today. So, so Jed, maybe to start off, just tell us a little more about what does it mean to be compliant on a marketplace? What, what have we been talking about here? Yeah. So uh, the marketplaces uh, are built to make sure that customers receive safe products that meet all U.S. or international rules. Uh, so as a baseline, every single one of the marketplaces for Amazon or Walmart are going to require you to follow state, local, and federal rules for product packaging, for listing content, for claims, um, for good manufacturing procedures, etc. Uh, on top of that, you'll find that there's a, additional rules that are requirements. So for anything, has a lot of restrictions around supplements, uh, making it very difficult to, uh, to list very many supplements there. Um, well, as the rules are a little bit less um, stringent on Amazon and Walmart. That being said, there are products that are perfectly legal to buy in certain states and, uh, and in the United States uh, that both marketplaces have decided based on their own risk assessments and their own uh, determination that you can't sell on them. Uh, and so you kind of have to have a two-pronged approach. One, in understanding the local state and federal rules, and two, in understanding what the requirements are for those marketplaces. And in, in doing that, in understanding those two different things, uh, you can make sure that you build a plan uh, to ensure your product is marketplace compliant. Got it. And then how would a brand go about doing that? I mean, what's the process that they should follow to ensure that their product is compliant against both state, local laws, as well as marketplace rules? 
Well, I mean, if they're like most brands that are just starting out uh, online uh, selling, they, they probably don't know what they don't know. Uh, and so what I would recommend is do some basic research. So know the category that you're going to sell in. So for instance, if you want to sell a supplement line, uh, do some research on the FDA, what, what's required uh, of a supplement, what the labels look like, what kind of claims can be made versus what kind of claims can't be made. Then I would recommend that once they kind of do some of that, work through to make sure that their label is created, and then send it over to a place um, that has expertise on that. You're making a huge investment in your brand. Uh, and so if you go through and manufacture it, ship it to the United States, send it into Amazon, and then have Amazon shut your listing down and block you from selling uh, You know, two weeks later, that's, that's a, that'd be a huge loss. Um, so it makes sense to, to, to have your product tested or certified um, by an appropriate agency. And eTales has partners that we partner with um, that can provide those services and those the, that level of expertise to help brands that want to launch, launch new products and ensure that they're fully compliant. And is this a, is this a costly endeavor that a band and or a product needs to take what's what what's the investment that we're looking for you know when it comes to when it comes to just making sure that you're compliant up front so that depends on on the type of product that you want to sell uh so for instance everyone probably remembers uh when you could buy scooters online and uh it was a big craze and everyone wanted one and then they started uh the battery started melting down and causing fires uh a lot of those companies are now no longer in business. Their products weren't safe. They, they, they caused damage. Uh, and as a result, there was lawsuits and additional problems. So now, moving forward, if you want to sell a scooter on Amazon or any other marketplace, you have to prove UL, uh, that, it, that it is UL compliant. So that's the past certain UL safety testing. And that can be fairly expensive. I mean, you're talking between three and five grand, depending on what your product is. Um, on average, we see for uh, for the products that we've pushed through this, uh, compliance on the front end can cost anywhere between two and ten grand, depending on what product you're talking about. That being said, if you have the time to do the research yourself um, and you're willing to kind of shop around and, and and work with your manufacturers, you can drive some of those costs down and figure some of those pieces out on your own uh, and not have to pay experts to do it. However, the best way to make sure that your brand is compliant before you make a large purchase order estimate is to get the experts involved. Gone. Yeah, that makes sense. And especially, as you said, in categories that, you know, you think you can be probably non-compliant. And so what happens in that particular case? So how does it work with Amazon? Like, can you even sell something that's non-compliant or can you put it up there? Like, what happens? What's, what's the process look like to become non-compliant? Yeah. Uh, so one of the interesting things about Amazon and most marketplaces is that they have a very low barrier um, to entry. They want to encourage uh, entrepreneurs and brands to sell on their marketplace. And as a result, uh, they don't require you to demonstrate much upfront. You, you, you go in, you sign up, you add your bank information, you fill out your seller account, and then you can start selling. Now, in their terms and conditions, they specifically state that you have to certify that all your products meet all the relevant testing standards, labeling standards, safety standards, uh, et cetera. And they also require every brand to carry $1 million of liability insurance. However, they don't have any way, they don't have any method up front of verifying or ensuring that you have done those things. You're just telling them, I've done this. And that has led to a lot of brands not putting the time and effort or investment into making sure that their products are truly safe. And I'm not saying that the, that the products aren't safe. I'm just saying that they haven't provided third party testing or third party verification that their products are safe. Uh, however, as you start selling products, Amazon's algorithms start kicking in. So, for instance, if you wanted to sell a supplement and you're claiming that it 
treats or cures the coronavirus, Amazon will flag that as a, as a word and take your listing down. And when they take your listing down, they will insist that you either A, fix the listing, or if it's actually on your product packaging or in a way that you can't just fix in the content of the listing, they might restrict your product, force you to remove that product and relabel it before allowing you to sell. Got it. So, so with Amazon, it's no barrier to entry, but then once you get in, their algorithms take over, and you know, then there's a chance of you just getting kicked off. Is that the case with Walmart as well, with other marketplaces yeah. as well? Okay. Yes. Uh, we've seen it happen on every single marketplace. So, for instance, eBay uh, has pretty stringent uh, customer uh, quality uh, metrics around it. So, if you, you're allowed to have a certain percentage of, of customer defects, of, of complaints or problems. And sometimes they'll ask you to provide proof that your product is safe. And then sometimes they'll just say, hey, you've had too many complaints. We're going to suspend your ability to sell for the next three days. Uh, and, uh, and then take progressive action if you continue to have negative customer experiences. Both Amazon, eBay, and Walmart are very customer focused and they're more reactive than proactive in their approach to safety um, and compliance. That being said, there are certain products on every one of those marketplaces um, that will require upfront, uh, upfront testing. So Amazon, for instance, requires UL testing if you want to sell scooters and they require that when you build the listing. Um, and then similarly, um, if you want to sell Christmas lights, you have to prove that they pass the UL safety testing for that as well. Um, and so that there can be those times when, uh, when as part of selling a product, when you build a listing, Amazon might require you to provide testing uh, in advance. But that's definitely the exception and not the rule. Got it. And then what does Amazon do? So they kick you off the platform? Do they suspend your account? What's the, what's, what, what kind of effects uh, you know, can a brand see if, if they're non-compliant? It really depends uh, on, on what the level of non-compliance is. You can't have your account suspended if Amazon believes that you are doing something willingly and knowingly in violation of their policies uh, and of the safety of a customer. Uh, however, uh, at, they can at their own discretion decide, hey, we'll give you a, a redo or another chance. Um, most likely what we see in a lot of these situations is they will send a... Uh, a restricted notification, and that basically means they will remove your ability to sell that product until you can demonstrate to them that that product is compliant or that listing is compliant um, or that you fixed the uh, the issue that the customers are having with that product. And and so uh, that's the most common, but any one of those uh, can take down your listing, uh, or can take down not just your listing, but your entire account and your ability to sell. Uh, and once you're kicked off, you're not allowed to sell again on Amazon. And, and similarly with Walmart and eBay. Got it. That makes sense. Do you have an example that you can share with uh, maybe our details or, or some other example where you know you thought maybe we were being compliant or a brand we were working with was compliant, but actually got maybe maybe taken down through you know through some algorithm from Amazon? Like any stories to share here with our listeners? Okay, on. we're uh, we take a lot of pride uh, in our vetting and making sure that we do sell compliant uh, compliant products and work with brands that that have uh, compliant products. Um, so I don't have a lot of of specifics as far as ones that are actually not compliant. About ninety nine percent of the stuff that we um, we see on a regular basis is compliant, and it's just a matter of explaining that to Amazon, improving the content, um, or providing them with additional proof. So they don't just take our word for it. They actually want to see the testing. They want to see the analysis. They want to see the steps the brand took to address the customer concern um, and, and, and whatnot. Um, 
But I do have an example uh, kind of around uh, pesticides, uh, which has been a major focus for Amazon this year. If you sell a product that is known to treat uh, or is known to fight pests or to be antibacterial, antimicrobial, um, antiviral, uh, Amazon has had an extreme focus on that and has been uh, cracking down a lot requesting um, proof of EPA registration or that it is a, quote, minimal risk pesticide um, as certified by the EPA with state registration. So in this case, Amazon being proactive uh, took down a lot of different, uh, um, a lot of listings to restricted one particular category, uh, wristbands that were designed to repel mosquitoes um, to only a handful of major brands and said nobody else can sell that, even though there were hundreds of brands out there. But we were able to work with one of our our partners, Parakeeto, um, that had fully certified uh, wristbands that are registered in every single state that's required, that met all the definitions, that had the EPA registration. Um, we were able to work with them and work with Amazon to get their listings back up on Amazon and to be added as one of those brands that was allowed to continue selling these wristbands on Amazon because they had been compliant. And we were able to demonstrate that. Conversely, uh, there was an account that we were looking to work with. They came to us, and, and uh, they were selling a, uh, a spray, a pesticide spray, um, designed to repel pests, mostly insects and mice. And, uh, and then they claimed it was mineral risk, the ingredients, except in all but one, uh, met the definition of that. But they didn't have any state registration. So we, we went to them and we said, hey, like, we'd, be, we'd love to buy your product, but you need to get registered in all these states. And they said, that's really expensive. We don't want to do that. We'll go find someone else. Well, if you go look for this, this particular brand's products right now, they, you can't find them. You can't buy them. Uh, until they can get all those state registrations, which is probably going to take them months of time and effort, uh, they're not going to be able to, to, to relist on Amazon. And as a result, all of those reviews, all that traction that they had gained in building their brand went away. So I, I've, I've said it once, I've said it a million times, where you're continuing to stop your products on Amazon is to be proactive in your compliance plan uh, and make sure that you have documentation and the proof in place uh, that your product is compliant. Yeah, that makes sense. And then, you know, maybe the strategy for a younger, newer brand or new product is to work with a partner. And then over time, as you get more sophisticated, as your sales grow up, maybe you take that in-house. I don't know. There's, there's, you know, I'm, I'm just thinking about the brand here from the perspective of fast and how do they actually manage this? Because there's so much on their mind. They're already trying to get a product. They're trying to source. And then this is another layer, but it is important and something that they just cannot ignore because it's so crucial to being maintaining your status on Amazon. Absolutely. And, and again, if they work with details, um, we can point them in the right uh, And then with our brand partners, uh, we can refer them to the testing agencies that can do the testing for them uh, and sometimes even give them a discount um, by working Makes sense. And so, uh, so Jed, just to just to switch gears slightly, you know, say you know there's a there's an issue and you have to have there's a legal battle or there's something that maybe Amazon, you know, thinks that you should be off the platform. The brand disagrees. Like it can take an ugly route too, right? So what is what what does the brand do in a case where you know there's potentially some legal or lawyers need to be involved? Yeah, uh, we've seen this with a, with a few brands uh, where. Uh, they believe Amazon restricted them incorrectly, um, that, that there wasn't actually due cause for it. And also in cases where they believe that, that Amazon hasn't done a good enough job in addressing counterfeit issues that they're facing. Um, and so in those cases, you can try to work through the Amazon platforms. But if you finally hit that roadblock that says Amazon and there's no further route of escalation, uh, you have to go and you have to find your own legal team to then engage Amazon legal. Uh, and that can be a little bit scary. I mean, 
because you're selling on that, if you don't bite the hand that feeds you. Um, and so if you're going to find a lawyer. You want to find somebody who can help kind of ne- negotiate that, that, um, <clears throat> negotiate that, the, 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 the trickiness of that, of helping to advocate for you, um, with that relationship long term. Yeah. So that's pretty much where I was at with the, uh, with the end of, of getting someone involved who understands Amazon and can help navigate that, that in between um, wanting to maintain your connection and your relationship with Amazon, but also enforcing your legal right um, to be able to continue selling uh, a product or uh, to maintain your account on Amazon. So that's a good point though, that you mentioned that someone who knows Amazon, I mean, uh, does a generic law firm work here or, you know, should brands think about working some, with someone who really understands the marketplace who has had the experience of, of doing cases like these? Most things in life, when you find somebody who has experience, who's been down this road before and who has the connections, uh, that's probably going to be a much better experience. They're going to know what to do. They're going to know who to call. Uh, I'm not saying that other law firms outside of those that specialize in working with Amazon Legal um, aren't capable of, uh, of helping you. Um, but I would definitely suggest that uh, that brands seriously consider finding an, a law firm that has a history of that has the experience uh, of getting accounts reinstated, of getting listings reinstated in the past, and knows what steps to take and who to contact. Um, because A, it's probably going to take them less time, which means it's going to cost them less money, higher likelihood of success, uh, because they've done it before and that's part of their business. Right. And I also suggest, you know, someone who has the relationships internally at Amazon. You know, there are a lot of law firms that have spent the time and have built a relationship here my Amazon. So this this might be an opportunity to find a law firm or a lawyer that that you know has some internal connections as well. Yeah, and that, that's what eTales does. Uh, the the law firms that we work with have connections at, at Amazon uh, and can help out with those types of uh, types of bigger issues. We actually have to get uh, a law firm involved. That's right. That's right. So just to switch gears slightly. Jed, you know, we talked about, you know, staying compliant. We talked about, you know, how if things go south, you know, you might have to get legal involved. But let's just talk about how should brands think about maybe mitigating some of this risk across their business and putting together a risk management plan in place. You know, of course, you know, things will, will you know, will go south at times and you've got to react unfortunately, but how can a brand avoid going into reaction mode and then being really just proactive about all the risks in their business and then thinking through how do they prioritize the appropriate risks? Can you talk a little bit about just risk management as a whole? Absolutely. Uh, So the first thing that I would advise doing is to identify your risks. And if you're not sure where to start there, uh, the best place to start is thinking about what scares you. What are the things that, that, that scare you about your business? Is that cash that Amazon's shutting your account down? Uh, is it delays in your in shipping for your product uh, and worried about being out of stock? Um, and then also, what keeps you up at night? What do you think about at night uh, when you're trying to go to sleep? Uh, and you, you just toss and you turn and you think about it and you mull about it. That's probably something that's concerning you. There's probably some that are involved there. Then once you kind of have those general ideas, write them down uh, and then try to make them more specific. So in terms of, hey, if cash flow is your issue, what's specifically about cash flow? Is it that you don't you don't have enough to cover operations over a certain period of time? Is it 
that you're worried about, you know, the amount of sales you need to get by a certain time in order to be able to place a reorder. What is it specifically that you're looking at? And then kind of when you have that level of detail, then you can start to think about, uh, to quantify it. Um, Specificity allows you to quantify and say, okay, this is how big or how small this this uh, particular risk is. And then most of the, the literature out there wants to talk about the quantifying in terms of likelihood and severity. So when you're doing risk uh, risk planning, you can plan for a meteor to hit the to, to hit the United States and you know to cease all life. Uh, probably not very likely, and probably not something you can control. Probably not something you should be worried about. Um, but something that is likely to happen is if you sell on Amazon and you're you're looking to, to grow your business, at some point, a listing is going to go down. So what is your plan? How do you mitigate that? Make sure that it's down the, the, the shortest amount of time. That's very likely. Um, and then you also want to quantify the severity. Now, the best way that we do that is in terms of dollars and time. Is it going to take us a ton of time and effort to get this fixed? Uh, or is it going to cost us a significant amount of money to address this particular risk? Uh, and then we kind of, uh, we quantify it in, the, in those types of terms. And that helps us to prioritize or identify, um, identify uh, what we should be doing as far as addressing those risks. Because you can't address every risk. <laughs> you, spend, you spend your entire, all your time just trying to create plans for risk and mitigate risk, et cetera. You have to be able to prioritize and identify which risks are going to be the most impactful, the ones that you need to address so that you can continue your business operation. Right. Makes sense. And then what's the review cadence of, 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 of managing risk? So, for example, you know, maybe you didn't identify the coronavirus hit as a risk and then suddenly it just hit the industry. You know, how do you reprioritize your list? How do you, uh, at what cadence should a company, should a brand, should a, should a, should a team keep reviewing their risk strategy? Yeah. So uh, one of the biggest things that a lot of companies struggle with is that they have a risk manager and that risk manager writes a risk plan and then they distribute it to everybody. And uh, it's used to prop up monitors or hold doors open uh, because nobody ever reviews it. Um, the best way to do it is to get everyone with risk management. So your employees, the one who's editing who's managing uh, the, the shipment, they have a role in making sure that you're compliant with the Amazon policies and procedures or other marketplace policies and procedures, and that they are proactively making sure that they're managing with the potential not being compliant. Uh, if you push it down all the way all the way to it, then, then there's owner, and that ownership helps to, to reduce the amount of risk. And then on top of that, you should be reviewing policies on a regular basis. So... Every quarter is what we do, um, and that gives us a chance to kind of walk through and talk uh, talk to the members on the team and say, hey, is this what we're facing, or have we completely mitigated it, or is it no longer applicable? Um, do we need to remove it? Or has it become more serious? Is it something we need to think about more? Uh, those are the types of, uh, of regular reviews. And then finally, you want to make sure that it's so you have had a plan uh, to particular product comes in. You try to execute your plan. <laughs> well, you work through it. You get to the end of it. You get your listing reinstated, and then you go back and you re-review your risk mitigation plan. Uh, what did you miss in that whole process? How can you update you in the future to make sure you don't end up in that thing? Uh, uh, and and that will help you to constantly refine your risk management uh, as you go. 
Got it. Got it. That makes sense. And so, you know, as you know, you're obviously the expert on on risk, on compliance, on legal, you know, at ETLs. And now, you know, we are we are in a situation in the in the world where the coronavirus hit, supply chain is getting disrupted. There's just a lot going on right now. And so, I'd love to hear. And I know you've been a spokesperson for ETLs to a number of different publications, and we've been talked we've talked about the coronavirus in another podcast as well. But just you know, to add a little bit of that to this to this episode, what's your view on how should brands, companies, just navigate through the crisis that's been happening in the world right now, and how do they start thinking about their business? Both from a risk management standpoint, but also just from being compliant and getting keeping their business going. Yeah, uh, a pretty broad question, but I'll uh, I'll try to uh, to narrow it down as much as I can. Um, the first thing that I would advise is think long term, not short term. The facts on the ground are changing on a day to day basis. You want to build a brand. You want to build a business. What do you need to do? Not just tomorrow. Um, but next week, next month, next year to make that happen. And so a lot of companies are making very short-term decisions um, in terms of pricing. And what results in that is that they get their listing shut down or their account shut down uh, because they're trying to take advantage of them here and now and sell hand sanitizer at you know 400 times what it normally costs. Um, no, you're building a brand. So if you sell a, a hand sanitizing product, soap, et cetera, Think about the long-term, continue to maintain pricing. Now, if your costs are going up, it's okay to pass that on within a certain amount of reason, but you shouldn't be three, four, five 500% of what it normally is and reputation, and it'll likely get you restricted on Amazon. In part in it is looking at your supply chain. So right now, supply chains are compressed. And if you're trying to get stuff out of China, there's going to be delays, not only in terms of manufacturing, but in terms of the ports in China and the ports in the US. And then most recently with Amazon's announcement, that is restricting those kinds of products being sent into FBA. You might even have a, a hold up there of getting your product into FBA to be able to go buy. What can you do in the future to maybe shorten your supply line uh, to have additional reserve inventory along the way just in case there's another shock to your supply line? It's a long-term thinking that can help you manage long-term. And the third thing I would say uh, in this crisis is you might have a problem, uh, but be careful with your claims. <laughs> I've seen a lot of listings go down because it claims to, you know, cure the coronavirus or treat the coronavirus or kill the coronavirus. And I'm not saying that some of those claims aren't necessarily true um, and that, that, that some of these products don't protect. But unless you have the testing, the third-party testing, uh, unless you have, unless you're following the clear FTC guidelines and marketplace guidelines and using those, you're going to get your listing shut down. You're going to get your account shut down. Um, and to my knowledge, there isn't a single uh, approved product for virus at this time. Uh, and so the products that are out there claiming that, uh, I mean, they're in violation of FTC guidelines and they're in violation, honestly, of, of marketplace policies and, and they're risking their business. So think long-term, think about how you can flatten that supply chain, how you can make sure you're maintaining your brand overall and can, and can maintain that consistency. Uh, and that you're doing the things that, that, that Amazon and the federal rules uh, dictate um, as you continue to work. Fantastic. Well, Jed, these insights were really great. Thank you for taking the time to speak with me today. I really enjoyed the conversation. Friends, you know, please tune in for another episode in the future for Market to Marketplace. But for now, we're going to say bye to Jed. Thank you, Jed, again for being on the show. 
Thanks for having me, Kanal. Great. Well, thank you, everyone. And we will sign off and see you in another episode. Bye-bye. Through conversations with experts in online retail with years of marketing, compliance, and inventory management experience, we seek to empower our listeners to master the marketplace. Thanks for listening. We hope to see you next time on Master the Marketplace with Etails.